these looks all over their face My friends all know that I'm cool I've been this way since high school Cause life's never been sweeter when you're just a cake eater When it comes to hockey, nobody can stop me My high school team, I was playing on the top three Now my son is scoring piles Welcome to the Youth Hockey Up High School Hockey Podcast Brought to you by the Red Black League I am Danny Ryan, joined with you, Tony Scott How you doing, Danny? Good, and Carl East Hey, Danny How's it going, Carl? Not bad. I'm back in Duluth after a weekend down in Chicago for Thanksgiving. So good to be home and ready to see some hockey this week. Yeah, you haven't seen any yet. Um, Tony and I have been to a couple. I think we're both tied, actually, on the number of games that we've gone to, Tony. Which you pro- at four and you're at three. I went to Providence versus Spring Lake Park. So That's I- one. I went to Cloquet versus Lakeville North. Two. I went to St. Thomas Academy versus Minnetonka. Yeah. I went to Maple Grove versus Edina. You got me. No, we're tied. Yeah, I know. I forgot about that. <laughs> Probably one of the only times of the season that we will be tied. Yeah. Enjoy yeah, it well, have, Tony. I'll have you on squirt games in about – I already have you on squirt games. I've have been to beat. one. I, I, I have you beat. I think I've been to one. I was at six <laughs> this weekend. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let's talk about some – high school hockey, because that's what the show is. It's not 10 minutes with Tony Scott. Um, This is much more than that. This is high school hockey. (laughs) On this show, you only get 20 minutes. (laughs) The edited version. Um, So, a couple news and nuggets that happened this week. Um, First off, some weird scores happened at the start of the week. Uh, One that shocked, I think, probably the whole state if they saw it. Breck lost to Marshall. And not Duluth Marshall. This is the Marshall Tiger. I heard that, and I had to go on the hub myself and check it out, verify it. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. That's great for Section 3. Yeah, Section yeah. 3, This is that's a huge win for them. Section 2A kind of had a weird weekend with this loss and Orno losing both games over the weekend. Delano loss, and then got pumped by Grand Forks Central, who's the best team in, in North, North Dakota. Dakota. But, wow. 10 nothing. the defending state champs go down. No, they didn't play. Delano lost. No, that was Orno. Orno lost. That was Orno. 10 nothing. Six goals in the first period, 30 to 3 in shots. Wow. So Yeah, they got some work there. 2A, not what it used to be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, two years ago on this show, remember it was Delano, Breck? Blake. Blake. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Jake Hale was. Yeah. Two yeah. years ago, it was the, one of, arguably the best section in the state, and now it's potentially the it's into the it's not three A five A yet, but it's, it's hey, no, Marshall just beat them. Pine City put up four goals against Breck. Yeah, I know. That, let's that's five A. I know, and that's not even the best team in five A. I know. <laughs> so I just want to. I think five A's got some decent teams. North Branch is good, and I think obviously Monticello will find yeah. out tomorrow night if they're good. Yes. Um, then EGF, like you said, they had a good weekend, there two wins, yep. and considering they aren't completely healthy yet. No, no Land and Parker yet, so. Yeah, that one, so that was a surprise, but that's a good, strong, 8A is good for the state. Yes, very good, very um, good. Andover wins in overtime against Moorhead. That was a little surprising. Carl, what was your thoughts on that one? Yeah, and it's a game where I believe there was a major penalty that set up the game-winning goal in overtime, too. So uh, Andover outshot Moorhead by a lot. I mean, that, that's not surprising. But I think the question with Andover going ahead here this year is, you know, they're, we know they're very deep. They move the puck really well. But do they have the front-end scoring power to match up with the other teams that they're competing with for a spot in the top five? It, I would say the word clutch scoring power. They're going to have some scores on a team, but do they have a – is Charlie Shane the guy who's going to, you know, put up 35 goals? Because they're going to need a 35-goal scorer mm-hmm. to be in the state tournament. Well, he could put up 35 goals, but 35 goals, that actually means something. Uh, 35, period. No, thir- his 35 goals might be like a guy who plays golf with his wife, uh, you know, type of thing. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> but I'm going to top that one today, but that's a good one. <laughs> because it really, they're playing for fun. Everything is good, type yeah. of thing. Okay, that's uh, fine. That's fine. <laughs> I still think I, I'd be surprised if Charlie Shane can get 35 goals, 
even in that against that schedule. It's a, that's, that's a tough. That's a tough feat. Don't yeah. get me wrong. That's pretty hard to do. Um, and then another score that shocked you, Tony, when I told you it: Farmington zero, Rosa one, and Rosa was outshot I got, at home. I got Rosa was a potential favorite in A, and if they can't beat a three or four seed out of Section One, that's trouble. Carl, what do you think of that? Uh. I don't think Farmington is a terrible team, so I don't think it's a bad result. I think I was more surprised by the scoreline. When you look at the Rozo team, you see, okay, great top-end talent on the top line, but how good are they going to be in back? Eh, we'll see. But, no, they have recording a shutout with Oliver Lee in net. Speaking of which, can you think of a more Rozo name than Oliver Lee? <laughs> but, no. <laughs> Probably uh, related to Mike Lee, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and named after Scott Oliver? I don't know, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, but I, I just think this Rozo team, for my success plan that I see them in, they need to play like when they had Zach Strand and um, Yon. Yeah. Uh, or Zach Young and Aaron Strand, Alex, right? Alex, yeah. Alex Strand. Alex Strand, sorry. But Strand and Yon put up video game number points. That's how I see the Hewlands doing like it this year. Thirteen, could have been 13, 14. 14, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah, it was the year that Lakeville North won the, the tournament. Yeah. yeah, it was fourteen. No, no, fourteen. So it wasn't. It wasn't was the year North won. Yeah, it was, no, the, it was the year before. Yeah. Oh, okay, was, sorry. That, that, they lost to Lakeville North in overtime. Yeah. Oh, it was the year before. Yes, he did. Okay. Oh, Jake Annabeck, Henry Annabeck, Jake Annabeck would have said. Okay, we're butchering names today. Okay, well, let's move on on to actually talking about some games that did happen. Um, We're going to talk about two tournaments a little bit in depth on the teams that we saw in them. So let's start with the opener. Um, This featured Cloquet, Lakeville North, St. Thomas Academy, and Minnetonka. Start with Cloquet. Um, Cloquet losing both matchups, losing in overtime to Lakeville North, in the first game, and losing 5-3 to three the next day to St. Thomas Academy. Tony, what are your takeaways on this Cloquet team? I think it's your uh, typical Cloquet team. they got uh, one real good line, uh, decent second and third line, uh, decent defense, decent goalie. I think they're going to be probably a three or four seed out of Section 7, which is just kind of your standard Cloquet team. This isn't the team we've been building up for the last two years saying, wait till Langenbrunner and Baker and Brasson are all seniors. It's going to be the good old days all over again. I don't think we're quite there yet, but to their credit, they had a lot of fight. There's a lot of fight in the dog. You know, they were, they came back, they, they hung tough with Lakeville North the first night and they came back tough and, and made it four three against St. Thomas. So you see a little bit of that Northern grit to them. Um, the crispiness of their passes isn't there yet of the Northern team. Yeah, That will come with time. I think um, you start to look at a couple of players that stood out to me. Definitely, I thought their second line played well. Mm-hmm. I thought Cade Bender um, is a very good leader on that second line. Not many Northern teams can put out a second line that can match first lines. I think that line can match first Defensively, line. but they're not going to pump in a punch goal. No, no, but... Um, I talk about defensively. I also like um, Mason Langenbrunner, uh, Langenbrunner on the D. Mm-hmm. I thought he played really well um, last uh, weekend. And you know, I I look at this team and I I want more than what I saw. That's kind of what I walked away from. Carl, what what are your takeaways just from the box scores? I guess from this team. Yeah, I think it sort of reinforces the sense that I had coming into the season. I may have said this on a previous podcast, but, you know, Cloquet, they're good in a lot of areas, but I struggle to see any one area where they are simply better than the two teams that they're chasing in 7AA. No, I can't say that they're deeper or have more star talent or have a better defense or better goalie than East or Andrew So a very good team in a lot of areas, but uh, like, like most of you, I'll need to see a little more, and I'm looking forward to seeing them on Saturday against White Bear Lake. Yeah, so a team that kind of made a mark a little bit would be Lakeville North then this weekend, getting a decent win out of Cloquet, wouldn't you say, Tony? Yeah, it was a good win for them, and considering they lost one of their best players in Shane Griffin for quite some time, then they went and played Tonka pretty tough. It was There's a lot of that deja vu from the previous year, and they played them tough considering Griffin was out and Caden Smith didn't play. 
uh, on Saturday. So they were kind of without two of their top three forwards. They hung tough with Tonka. I think when they get healthy, I think that's still the best team on paper anyway in uh, Section 1. I, I definitely was more impressed with um, Lakeville North than I thought what I was expecting, let's say. Um, Spencer Snyder, um, his goal in the Cloquet wow. game was pretty dang impressive. <laughs> and it was like, okay, they have a true forward, you know, that can score. You know, and I, that was the type of goal that it was. And I, I walked away thinking, yeah, you know, this is the front runner in Section 1 AA until I see Lakeville South, but I, I really think so. Or Century or Farmington now. Yeah, Farmington. Farmington stuff with Rizzo. i got to go watch them. Yes, that that is very true. Carl, what was your thoughts on North then? Uh, like you two said, I think that you know, when healthy, that top line is one of the better ones out there. Um, I think they solidified their spot in 1AA, and they'll be, they'll be moving up a little bit in the rankings, assuming they don't do anything to leave this coming week when the next rankings come out next week. And, and they won't be doing anything silly this week because they don't have a game, so that, that makes that easy. <laughs> Good time to rest up a little bit and recover. Um, they need a bye week. A <laughs> bye week, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a good time to uh, kind of have one. You get your feet wet a little bit and test out against a couple good opponents. Go and back and practice. Go back and practice. Yep. Get healthy. Uh, talk about a team that could get healthy and um, needs a little bit more practice. Let's say St. Thomas. Hey, that's an understatement. I, I think St. Thomas looked good it, it, when I watched them play Minnetonka. I thought it, shots weren't indicative of how this game actually played. And to be honest, St. Thomas was missing a full line for most of the game. Um, Brendan McFadden and Luke Herzog were out for football, and um, Stucker got early uh, injured early in the first period. Yeah, he's hurt, and then and then uh, Tanner Brower also yeah. he'll play a significant role in this team. Big, yeah, Ed can shoot the puck hard. Um, he, he's also on the football team as well, so. I would call. I would give their grade if we were grading these guys an incomplete. There's just there's just not enough there. Here's what I liked that was there. Muzzy, Muzzy yeah. Donahue played extremely well in the Tonka game. He he stood strong. He wasn't nervous. Yeah, I think it's a good way. the The stage didn't affect him. There was a good crowd, and he stood up pretty well in that game. Well, it doesn't hurt. He played in the elite league. You know, here's a guy who's a Division One golf commit, and he gets to play in the elite league. That helps. St. Thomas in this process to go face that kind of hockey, 20, 30 games of hockey before the league starts. So he looked in mid-season form. Yeah. Carl, what was your takeaway on St. Thomas's weekend? Yeah, it's hard to say too much when you're missing a large chunk of your team. I mean, I'm not going to do anything to their ranking. I think hanging in there with Mintonka is decent, and beating Cloquet when you're shorthanded is actually pretty good at this point in the season. So on the whole, Good signs for St. Thomas. Nothing to, to be worried about there. Something, a team that was actually quite impressive this weekend them was Minnetonka. Yeah, were you surprised by that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought Grant Doctor stood out in the St. Thomas game pretty uh, pretty well. Um, that top D pairing is legit with mm-hmm. him and Josh Lukey. Um, they do miss Bobby Brink, in my opinion. Yeah, there's this. There's a missing factor. Yeah. It's hard to describe. You just you know something's not there, and you're just wondering where it is. It's early, number one, so it's hard to tell, but they don't have that elder McGann and Andy's line. No, that was a great line one for of the them. keys to their team last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all shapes up. Who, who ends up when they – when Nick Henry comes back, where does this all, where do the lines all shake out? Who are the top six who are going to get the goals? We know three, four, five of them. Who, who ends up being in the top six and who ends up taking that role of meat grinders, you know, the great press? I mean, yeah. they, were just, they would just wear you down. <laughs> yes. I thought Mac Moscow had a good weekend. Yeah. Probably the first goal in the St. Thomas game shouldn't be credited to him, um, if you see that. It was not credited to him. We ended up taking it away. It's still on the hub. It's wrong. So <laughs> we gotta change that. I don't have access to that. It's wrong. <laughs> but um, based on the look on his face, he's like, "Oh, he scored!" <laughs> and all of a sudden, he got credit. <laughs> it's usually a good sign. Like he even get. gave it back. You know, he's, to he's Mason Hendrickson. Yeah, it wasn't my goal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's I, 
I thought this this team did everything that they needed to prove this weekend. Um, what did you see out of that, Carl? Yeah, I mean, they're number one. They deserve to be, to be in that spot until someone beats them. And if you look at their schedule for the next couple of weeks, it's actually not their hardest stretch. So I think they'll stay number one for a while. Yeah, that'll be easy. You know, I don't think they're going to get tested until late December. Yeah, yeah. Probably I think not. They play Maple Grove. Mm-hmm. Maple Grove will be a good game. Yep, they do play them in that, the other event. Well, let's um, let's talk <laughs> about Maple Grove for a second um, with the turkey trot. Maybe we'll work our way up to Maple Grove because I think Maple Grove is a good encore type of thing or, yep. you know, entree to talk about. I agree. Um but let's first talk about Holy Family. Holy Family losing both games of the Turkey Trot. They lose to Edina five to one, or one to five, and they lose to Wyzetta in overtime to one. What was our takeaways on this? Well, uh, they got Lager back again. Someone scored with under a minute to go in the game and <laughs> lost. <in overtime>. <laughs> <laughs> That's the takeaway I got out of that game. It's too bad because that would have been a nice win for Holy Family. Yeah. Um, after a, a tough loss the night before, um, who knows? Again, this it's way too soon on Holy Family. I think um, we'll see. They have a good goaltender. Obviously, he was he was in the ninety percentile. Bailey Huber was. That's an amazing feat. Giving up five goals. <laughs> think about the mathematics on that. He was still a ninety percent save guy. So that alone is the kind of goaltender that can keep you in games. So I think they're still banged up. There's a few guys injured. I don't think Lucas Jorgensen played this weekend. No. Um, so I heard he was banged up. So he's a big part of that team. He'll be a big part of their scoring. So not to be an HF apologist here, but I still think the jury's still out on them a little bit. Carl, what's your take on the fam? Uh, short story, they scored one goal in both games. They're not going to win much doing that. Um I think the question we had coming into this season was, you know, where's the scoring support for Garrett uh, Pinanimi going to be? And in week one, it wasn't there. So that's the thing I'll be watching with this team going forward. Yeah, this is a team that needs to get some points probably, and this weekend was lacking of it. I think you're spot on, Carl. That's a great take because Garrett Pinanimi was a freshman on the Delano team, and he was a sophomore on a fairly senior-laden six, seven seniors on that Holy Family front line. Uh, this is a role he hasn't had, you know, dating back to seventh or eighth grade. Even when he played in the offseason on the machine, the old one machine guys, he wasn't one of those guys they relied on. They had a lot of big players on that machine team. So he's never been that had that role where, hey, I got to be the man. Well, it's his draft year. This year's his draft year. So he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah, this is a big year for him. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Wyzetta then. Um, Wyzetta, here's my take on Wyzetta this weekend. They lose 5-2 to two to Maple Grove, and they beat Holy Family in overtime. I, I don't think we can judge Wyzetta yet. If we can't judge Holy Family, Wyzetta is traditionally a team that does not show up or show who they really are until mid-season, late-season. And that's kind of my take on them. I think they're too... This is too much of a new team to gel this early, I think. Yeah, I'll say this. You know, they're not in our top ten, mm-hmm. and Creighton Durham Hall is in our top ten. I still have this hard, after watching that game last year, the creighton Wyzetta game, I think we're going to be watching the same game. It's going to be Creighton and Wyzetta, and I still think that when push comes to shove, Wyzetta's going to be Creighton again. But do you think it's like... It's just because of numbers and just that three-line... Pat uh, style. Style. I just think it's it's made for playoff hockey. I I think that's a fair. We could talk about that maybe a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but Carl, what's your take on why is that currently? Well, uh, sticking with the theme of you know how many goals they scored. You know, Holy Family had one in each game, and why is that they had two, which is a little better, but still you're not going to win a ton of games with just two. But as Tony was saying there, you know, you know what the formula is going to be at Wyzetta. It's going to be defense first, you know, strong grinding team. And so I think the Holy Family win is sort of a sign of where they want to, the direction they want to be going. So I think that was a good uh, bounce back after the lost table grove. And this, this coming week is going to be interesting for them with Hermantown and Blue East both coming to town. I would argue that Wyzetta 
four goals in two games is plenty for them to make it to the state tournament. They've they've done it in the past. They'll do it again. They did it three times. I remember two years ago, Mariucci. Plenty. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all we need. <laughs> that's fair enough. Now, talking about Edina, Edina did score some goals this weekend. Um, they beat Holy Family, like I said, five to one, and then they tied Maple Grove three to three, losing in a shootout. You know, there will be a banner hung. <laughs> I was joking around with Carl that if there was a banner hung, like how does like a dad describe that to his son? Like, Dad, what's that banner? Well, that's from the turkey truck, kid. What's that? What's well, a semi round robin event that if we don't win in regulation, which goes on at the time at Minnesota State High School League, goes to a shootout. <laughs> like, okay. Like, ugh. But anyway, that poor confused Edina. child. Yeah, poor confused child. Edina, they pump fifty shots in against Holy Family. They pump another. Uh, let me check to be forty something. Forty against uh, Maple Grove. Offense is there. Yeah, yeah. they were missing three forwards. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It didn't feel that way. It's just reload, right? It's reload because Edina's middle line type of forwards are good skaters, you know, good hands, crash the net well. That's that's kind of Edina's youth motto. And so when you have to replace those, it's not like replacing a McFadden or a Herzog or something like that. This is it's a little bit easier, I would argue. You talked about a, a certain sophomore defenseman that you liked a lot. Talk a little bit about him. Nick Williams um, for Edina. He's going to Minnesota. He played Bantams last year. He was probably the most – he stood out to me the most in this game. I, you look at – so Edina's probably got the best defensive core in the state. Pretty easy to say that. So they got a better best defense score in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, so – um, Boltman and Reiners played together, and uh, Williams and Borlicky played together. And I just – each one of those guys has such their own unique style that's so much fun to watch because Borlicky's more of a stay-at-home. Jake Boltman will want to jump up on a play as soon as possible. Nick Williams kind of is the in-between guy with good size. And Mason Reiners is very offensive as well. And now you throw in a fifth defenseman who's like six three, of three. That's a bishop. Yeah, and so they're super deep on D. But when you have goal, to, uh, when you have defensemen jump up on the play, sometimes leaves your goaltender exposed, which is what happened in the Maple Grove game. Kukinen cleaned up on one, and uh, Kyle, both Kyle and Trevor cleaned up because. They're playing a little bit more relaxed in the defensive zone. Their trans transition play is always going to be strong. It's how they get back and defend against angles and stuff like that is what you have to worry about. Overall, was really impressed with Edina and how they performed. Are they number two in the state? Possibly, yes, but eh, I, I don't know how much. Tony? So we always talk about this, uh, the Edina factor is going back to squirts all the way through to high school, can the goaltending hold up? 14 shots, three goals. That's not good. That's not going to cut it. What happened in the Duluth East game last year? Shot from like 60 feet out, hits the goalie. A shot that was going wide, hits the goalie in the arm and goes in the net. It happened right? in 2008, too. Dan Cachetta let a goal in. This, yep. happened, this is a systemic issue. With that. <laughs> that, if you're going to say there's one thing that stands out to me if you're looking at box scores and looking at this, I haven't seen him play yet. Not that I haven't seen every one of these kids play before. Yes. But mm-hmm. I haven't seen him play yet, but I, that is still a major, major red flag. Carl? Yeah, and it's, that's interesting looking at a, an Edina team that's also going to have a much more, I'd say, active defensive core than we're used to out of Edina. I mean, there have been exceptions over the years, like Ben Brinkman, obviously, but. If you look at, you know, Kurt Giles' system over the past decade, you know, really he asks his defensemen to, to mostly just stay home and take care of things. And that's not going to be the case this year because they have the talent to run up and down. So, you know, how does that balance out with the question mark and goal? Yeah, and 
it's going to be interesting. It, it depends who wants to take over the game. Is you know the D going to take over the game, or is you know members of the forwards going to take it over? Is Nevers and Jungles going to you know step up, you know, and take over the offensive side? They're going to have to. I mean, go back to the goaltender. The game's tied three-three. Who wins the game? <laughs> Kukinen, Kukinen, right? Yep. They score, and the top two scorers from the Elite League. Can't put a puck past Winicky. I mean, Winicky did his job. Yeah. Goaltending is still the major red flag for Dine, I think. Talk about Winicky for Maple Grove. He stood on his head in that Edina Maple Grove game. Maple Grove, I'm not going to lie, they looked legit. Okay, this looked like the Bantam team from last year. They had speed, they were confident. They knew what was going on, and they weren't phased by Edina. They weren't phased by the shots. They just kept playing, and they knew their game plan, and they were okay with it. It, it everything that meshed really well for Maple Grove, whether it's the Kukinen, Kukinen, Janicki line, Kasalecki on the second line. I would say that's the second line, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Henry Nelson on D looked great. I and Winicky and Net looked very comfortable. Yeah, he's won a lot of big games as a youth, and now as a sophomore, he's. They kept him in. You know, he played both nights, and it's just kind of like, hey, you, you beat Wyzetta. Let's see if you can beat another late conference team. So yeah, they just kind of kept him in there. But I think Parker Slotsky, their other goaltender, he's an equal. He's not a backup. Yep. So he'll, just, he'll get his turn, I'm sure, soon. So I was rather impressed that the, the Bantams of Maple Grove stood up, and I think this is a team, to be quite frank, I think this could be a top-five team. That's I can't wait to see him. Can't wait. Carl, what's your takeaway on Maple Grove? You no, know, I, I had an interesting flashback thinking about Maple Grove. You know, when I started doing rankings, you know, five to ten years ago, the way that I made myself look smart early in the season was always by ranking teams that had good Bantam teams the year before higher than everyone else. <laughs> and uh, I think over time people have caught on to the fact that, hey, if you have a good pipeline and a good Bantam team coming in, that team's going to be pretty good this year. But I think Maple Grove is just uh, the classic example of how this works. You know, they're Sometimes people think that you know these bands coming in will take some time to adjust, but often they don't. And in this case, uh, you know, obviously there will be some room for growth, but the talent's there. This team can win. I, I would say in some instances, I remember watching Grand Rapids when um, McLaughlin and Hain got pulled up. And the first game that I watched was the Lakeville North game. And Tony, you asked me afterwards, or maybe it was Minnetonka. I went up to I- IRA to watch them play. You said, how was uh, Gavin Hayne? And I said, who? I didn't see him. Yeah. Because it took uh, Gavin Hayne and that group to kind of settle in a little bit, but by the end of the season, they were rolling. Oh, yeah. It, but it took them a couple of games to get under their belt. This was not the case with Maple Grove. No, they were right away. They I'm were not surprised. I mean, Janicki and Kukinen, those two, they played with favor all the way up on the same line and I wasn't surprised I was kind of smirked a little bit when I saw that Kukinen scored and then you know five minutes later Janicki scored it's been like that ever since they were about eight or nine years old yeah yeah they they mesh very well together and and they balance each other out now they throw in the older brother Kukinen and Mm-hmm. Who's you know got the IQ? He's got the grit. He's got the sandpaper. He's got everything you need. It's gonna be a, that'll be a fun line. I wouldn't call it one of the top lines, top lines in the state. But it's not a line that you want to play. I think it's gonna be a very very productive line. Yes. Okay, let's talk about some other games that happened that were worth noting. Um, we talked about Orono a little bit. They lose to East Grand Forks three to one. I thought this was interesting. We've already kind of talked about it, so I'll move on on that one quickly. Another game that happened up on the Iron Range, Greenway, Grand Rapids, or somewhat close not to the, the Iron Range. range. Yes, the same okay. one, it was in Grand Rapids. It was not on the range. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. <laughs> I even corrected you on that one. Okay. Anyway, section seven game. Sure. There you go. Um, shots were tied, actually, on this one, 26 to 26, which I take away, that's a good sign for Grand Rapids. You're, that's uh, hopeful. Just being hopeful. Very much so. So hopeful. Um, and Classic yeah. played well in, in net. I mean, only letting four up, that's not bad to a 
probably a team that's going to score six a night. Yeah. Um, but the key players for Greenway scored. I Not anything more to say about this one. Uh, Carl, do you want to touch on this one? Uh, I'd say the shots were probably helped out by a major penalty on Greenway that even things up a little bit, but still not a bad showing for Grand Rapids in that they kept it fairly close. I mean, I was at this game last year, and it was not close, period. Um, but on the whole, Greenway is a very good team. You know, Casadante Lawson with a hat trick, I think we'll start with his points watch this year. He'll pile up a ton. Um, good size for both teams, really. Andover Moorhead, um, Andover, like we said, won in overtime, three to two. Tony, what's your takeaway on Moorhead on this one? I, I think that's a great sign. You know, I mean, I mean, Luke Grammer is, you know, the guy now on the, on the blue line. He's going to need some help uh, from, from Gunkel and a few of these other guys to step in and just kind of, you know, get over the speed bump of losing Ethan Frisch. If they can do that, this is still a pretty solid team. Uh, I like this team. As of now, I like them to win the section. Um, just I was wondering how they could do, and they went, they got on Andover and hang tough for three and a half periods. And I think I think they're still going to be the, the team that will be in the XL Energy Center this year. Yeah. Okay, Tony, on to you. Oh, is this mine? Well, you let you put me in charge? Yes, I did. I love it. All right, so – uh, this segment is brought to you by the Red Black League. Uh, thanks to Red and Black for sponsoring the league. Red and Black's a great league. Danny's been out to a couple games. He's seen it. Uh, it's a great way for kids to sink their teeth in in the fall and the spring, either postseason, preseason, uh, to kind of keep the blades wet, uh, get some good action, no check, uh, 20 games, affordable. Where can I find it? Redandblackleagues.com. Okay. All right. Um, my segment this week is going to be about what's overrated and what is underrated. Okay. Are you ready Referring to, to what? I'm going to, I'll tell you what's overrated. When I refer to, uh, building a team related to a team. So team winning play. success, Yeah, a successful team. Right. Okay. So, uh, power play, Danny, is the power play an overrated statistic or overrated factor, or is it very underrated? So I ran some statistics oh, here coming into today. So just wanted to do a quick couple of things. For the record, things. I didn't run any statistics. That's good. That's right. good. So when we look at the top power plays in the state, um, in Class A, it's definitely Hermantown. Hermantown's got a power play of over since stats, let's say recordable stats are in play. Mm-hmm. So since 2009, their power play is around 32.9%. Who's this? Hermantown. Okay. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty prolific. Um, so what I started to find is how much does power play percentage play into win total? So Hermantown also has the highest win total um, of any teams in that in the time period. They have 26 wins on average per season, which to put it quite frank, there's only 25 games in the regular season. So they're always going to make it to the section semifinal game. Right. <laughs> so that's what um, – so there's a little bit of a trend in that. In Class 2A, I kind of found some outliers on this. Now, St. Thomas Academy has the top power play in Class A, and they average the double A, and they average a power play of 32% with um, 24 wins. Does this date back to 2009? Yes. Oh, they so it's mixed. It's, it's mixed. It's mixed. It's mixed. It's mixed. Okay. There. So, so your best power play in Class 2A exclusively would be Blaine. Oh, okay. Okay, and followed by Duluth East. Uh, Blaine is, or I mean Duluth East, is also third in power play and third in wins in the same time period, which is kind of an interesting topic. Um, the top power play that I was able to find throughout this whole era was Duluth East. Carl, what year? Uh, 2013. You want to take a guess, Tony, on what their power play was with Tony Leonardo, Randolph, Nelson. No. Uh, I, I think it was Tony the year after, wasn't it? Okay. Oh, I think it's uh, it might be the year this after. Is the year, this is the year after with Mears Moore on the point. Yes. Is that sorry. Better or worse than Hermantown? Better. Wow. Anything better than thirty-two percent is amazing. I'll go forty-one percent. Forty-eight. Wow. Yeah, it was close <laughs> to fifty. I remember that team. Yeah, and that was Mears Moore controlling it. Sorry, uh, he yeah. controlled it the year before, but he really controlled it the year after. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they sort of ran him an umbrella and stuck him on top, and then it was him and Baloo bombing away. <laughs> so Do I'm making it's overrated or underrated. I think it's underrated, but I think there is an outlier to this. The team that has the second most wins in this time period in Class 2A, or the first if you exclude St. Thomas, is Edina. Edina's power play. Do you want to take a guess over mm, this time period? Not good. Not take high. a guess. Twenty yeah. percent. 23%. Now, I was yeah. told that's because they play a tough schedule, quote-unquote. That's a lie. Okay, a good power play works against good teams. Duluth East plays a good schedule over this time period, so you cannot make that argument. I would still say they have a tougher they have a tougher schedule than East. Eden Prairie oh, has a 27.5% average, okay? Okay. Uh, Eden Prairie plays essentially the same schedule. Okay, so still you say it's underrated, but there are always going to be some outliers. Yes. All right, uh, um, Carl, your thoughts? Yeah, I would. I tend to agree with Danny. I think it can be underrated. I think when my asterisk on that comes when uh, it kind of it really comes in the playoffs, where we sometimes see refs swallow their whistles, and I think that the 2013 East team is a great example of this. Uh, that team uh, beat Edina in the regular season. I think on the strength of a couple power play goals, but then in the uh, state tournament game that, that those two played in the semifinals that year, there was not a single penalty called against Edina. He's never got a power play, and they lost you know, by a goal with an empty netter. And, and here's the thing. This is what hurts if I look at the top three that I looked at in Class 2A, St. Thomas, Blaine, Duluth East. Have any of them won a state tournament recently? Has no. Blaine or St. Thomas gotten out of the first round recently? I mean, it's mm. it, it's hard to rely on in crunch moments, like Carl said. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more okay. than that. All right. Now, I have this one listed, defensemen, not defense. Okay. okay. Defensemen, not defense. Because like, everyone goes, oh, yeah, defensemen championships. Not that. I'm not talking defending. <laughs> defensemen championships. I hate that. <laughs> defensemen championships. Like, whatever. You're yeah. kind of like the St. Thomas guy behind me at the football game when St. Thomas went on D. Go D, D. He just kept yelling. I was in the second, like the second balcony thing, and I was like, "They can't no hear you, can bro. Hear you. No, no one can hear you, bro." All right, anyone's take on that? Underrated, overrated? Underrated. A good defensive core is very vital for championships. Look at the last couple of years. Minnetonka, great D core. Well, I can't say the same about Grand Rapids. But. Yeah, Grand Rapids is an outlier in a lot of things. I think if you look at a lot of the trends we're going to highlight here, they're, they're just an outlier. Yeah. yeah. I, Carl, you know the defensive trends more than I do on this side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did an article. This was a few years back now, so I don't remember the details as well. But, you know, so often the team that has the best blue line core wins the state tournament. I think, you know, look at Minnetonka's top pair last year, go back to Wyzetta a couple of years ago. And that really, I would, a strong defense overcame some you know, higher-ranked teams in that state. Um, start going back to you know the Lakeville North and Edina defensive cores in the middle of this decade were just you know, incredibly talented. Um, yeah, if you're going to make a case, you can just go on and on going course. backwards. Yeah, if you're going to make a case for defensive cores, you go right to Lakeville North that year. It was just mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah, that was unreal. Yeah. Spectacular. I have a take on this one, and I and I would go as underrated as well. I think defensemen are like pitchers in baseball, okay? So a pitcher in baseball can eat up innings for you and, 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 and keep a team, get his team off the field defensively and get a chance to bat. Same with defensemen. They can control the puck, like a Scotty Peronovich type player. He can control the puck. He hangs on the puck so long for how much puck possession a good defensive core can have, like Edina has, is just fewer minutes that the other team gets a chance to score a goal the same kind of philosophy of stealing minutes away from the game. And I I didn't want to get into the point of breaking the puck out and making plays in the blue line and all the other things, but just mm-hmm. straight puck possession and making good plays, not just ringing it around to the to the, to the, uh, <laughs> to the winger on, a, on the boards. They'll make an actual play with it and aren't afraid to make a play with it. And you see a lot of that out of the, the Minnetonka kids this weekend. Not a lot of throwing the puck yeah. around. And we're, no offense to Lakeville North and – and Cloquet, but it was just straight ring. Get it? Ring it to the boards and flip it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sign it across. And Hail Mary. Yep. Yeah. So. Now, to your model there, Tony, uh, even a good pitcher can let a home run in every once in a while. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, Carl, you got to take on defense? 
he gave his. Oh, he gave his. All right. All right. Let's go to youth <laughs> program. Youth program. Carl. Uh, I think this has kind of gone in waves. I think for a while, as we were talking about earlier with, with the rankings, it was underrated. People didn't realize how good the good incoming youth class could be. But lately, I almost think it's become a little overrated. I think people are putting a lot of stock in Bantam classes when sometimes, you know, we see, you know, a lot of player movement now. We have kids leaving early, kids transferring. I think we're also seeing some big programs are pulling kids up from Bantams maybe more often than they used to also. So, um I think it's maybe less of a good guide than it was five years ago. Wow, this is a tough one for me because it was my topic. And I and, and, and there's part of me, I wanted someone to say how important the youth program is. So you can go back and talk about Maple Grove and you can see what they did to cultivate great hockey culture in the city of Maple Grove and all those great things. But you can also make a case that it's completely un- overrated because of all the private schools don't have them. And they do really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And it's not like the private schools are taking the double-A kit. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. Oh, yeah. But you can make the argument, uh, looking at some of these kids that are, you know, are good private school players, they weren't the top kid in their youth program. Well, we're, or with like Breck and Benilda's gone after Armstrong kids and Champlin kids. And, you know, in those youth programs, they're plucking the, the top players off of those teams versus – trying to go into Wyzetta and Maple Grove and take their – Or Edina. Or Edina. Usually they're not getting the top, top guy. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that this is a little bit overrated. Success in youth doesn't always translate to success in high school. Correct. But if you are going to use my son's program, Bloomington Jefferson, if you're going to build it back up, you There's need no to. way you can build up Bloomington Jefferson again without going back to the mites and squirts and building up lots and lots of kids to play hockey again in order to get that yeah. program. That's very to true. make another to make another baseball analogy to have a good farm system or any type of professional sports to have a good farm system you're going to eventually have a good major league, but when Sano doesn't perform. Yeah, that's it's always going to let you down. So it, it, you never know if that's going to pan out correctly. All right, next one. Uh, coach or system? Anybody? Overrated, underrated? Um, I'm going to say underrated on this. I think a good system can change a game and can change a team's outlook going forward. I think if you look at some programs that run a certain system, like St. Thomas, Duluth East, these are kind of perennial powerhouses because of the system that they run. So you're saying it's important. I'm saying it's important. Okay. Uh, Carl, your take? Yeah, I would almost split out the two. I mean, I think systems, I'm not I'm not sure they're underrated or overrated. I'd probably get the amount of hype they deserve. I think you see that certain systems, you know, you, know, you watch why that play their defensive style hockey. It's consistent. It's good. You know, it's, it can really help them. I think where coaching can come in is when it can take a system and take it to the next level by tweaking little things. And I think this is where you see the success of a team like uh, historically a Hillmurray, a Duluth East, where you have coaches who are, will make little adjustments within that system and then take it to the next level. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm sold on this because this is a trick. Trick one is it the coach or the system or the chicken, the egg. I mean, a lot of these guys, like a Kurt Giles, for example. Many years you could just throw the puck down on the ice, right? <laughs> I mean, what did he actually do, right? I don't know. This year he's gonna have to coach, you know, because he doesn't have Kiefer Bellows and that that crew he had three four years ago. I mean, he's gonna have to really buckle down and, and get after it with these guys and, and coach this coach these guys up. But as you said, there's no drop off between the yeah. second line and seventh line. No. I mean, they're all good. Yeah. He Fast. can he can pull up his J V and have J V play Hopkins and it's still gonna be twenty to nothing. Yeah. True. Yeah. True I, I would say coaching matters a lot, but not necessarily in the way people think. It's not it doesn't necessarily always come out in the results. You have to look a little deeper to see who's doing better than they, they should be based on their talent because of coaching and who isn't. It could also be a lot with – coach can build team chemistry too. We see that mm-hmm. with Duluth East. They, they love Mike Randolph, and that kind of – that culture 
that builds within that. It, it kind of you see that. Well, Mike Randolph is a unique, unique coach. Not other than the fact that he's a great X's and O's guy, which he's proven, but he's also the guy that he's he's a player's he's coach. Retired, right? He's retired, and in the summer he coaches these kids fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade all summer long. So he knows who these guys are. Then he tells them, "Hey, you're going to go play a JV as an eighth grader, Skip Phantoms." Whatever Randolph says, you know, people do, and, and he's got a great little system there, and and it's not, it's it's just he's he's a little bit like Hermantown where they just they all know each other, and they all know what to do, they all got a system, and he produces great players. So does Hermantown, just the just opposite side of the town. It's a great, both of them have great hockey cultures. Yes, and that's what Brand is on top of just being an X's and O's. He's great at building a great culture too. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, talent, Division One talent. Is this important or not important? I think it's overrated. I really agree. I think agree. I think you can think. You look at certain teams; they could have multiple D one players, or even post high school D one players. Doesn't translate on the ice. I often get stuck on elite prospect rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll start looking at, oh, he went D1? He went D1? He didn't. How did he go D1 when he did nothing in high school? You know, type of thing. D1 talent, I don't put any stock in. Carl? Yeah, I, I agree that it's overrated. I think that you can find a lot of examples of some teams that look like a, at a team like, like Chaska last year, which had, you know, a ton of recruits, but still wasn't, you know, barely made a section semifinal. And then um, and there are other examples of teams that have had, you know, finished second in state with, you know, the only D1 player being the backup goalie. I think more had about a decade ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, now. Yeah, it, it, go ahead. It's going to change, too. The recruiting rules are all going to change where kids can't commit until they're juniors in high school, right? Mm-hmm. So all these kids that, you know, like – and I'm not picking on Shane Lavelle, but just using him as an illustration, he committed as a ninth grader, right? Well, so he's been a D1 commit into his third year of D1 commitmenthood, right? So it is would he have been committed to Wisconsin by now? Maybe, maybe not, right? Yeah. So, so but now they have four D1 commits. Chaska has, or these teams have these X number of D1 commits on their team, like Helgeson and Pierre. Well, those guys don't really make a big impact. No, they aren't even the impact players. No, you know, juniors and seniors, as you guys know, are the impact players in this deal. In this, in where do you see an Olin Gallatin type from last year for White Bear Lake? Correct. Where is a fresh Blake Beyond or Blake Beyond? They're, they're very, very rare. They're you know. special, special talents. Yep. If they're making that big of an impact, agreed. So I agree. From a high school hockey perspective, I agree. It's totally overrated, but. You want to give me a bunch of D1 talent? I'll take my chances. What a complaint. Yeah, I mean, sure. We had a lot more of these we want to get to, but we want to speed forward here a little bit and get to the rest of the segments on the show. That would be the games of the week. Yeah, so we have some games of the week. Let me borrow this, Tony, just so I don't duplicate some that – we're going to say for our pick'em segment. Yeah, yeah. you got a bunch of games. We'll go otherwise, and then picks too. Tuesday, a game that I will be at: um, Blake versus Chaska at Chaska. Get there early as parking is at a premium at the Hawks Center. I don't know what that's called, but we'll just say that at Chaska. So get there a little bit early. That game should be pretty good. Um, interested to see how Chaska comes back after a five to two win. Over Eastview, which I quite frankly am not that impressed with. No, I'm not. I, I'm not either. I I expect more out of Chaska if Chaska's going to make a deep run. Um, game on Thursday that I will be at Benil versus Edina. This is the first time I think they've played in the regular season. Might be ever type of thing, other than like maybe a Schwanz Cup. But um, so that should be an exciting game. Oh, that's a decent rivalry between those two schools. That kind of gets overlooked just because. Any OLG kid splits, you know, with Edina and Benil. Mm-hmm. So, um, Burnsville will play Hill Murray. That game will be found on Yuzaki Hub. Um, Virginia and Greenway play up on the range. Can I say that, Carl? 
You can. Yes, Virginia is on the range. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, on Friday night, Grand Rapids comes down to play Minnetonka. That on YHH. Centennial goes up to Rozo. This will be an interesting matchup for Rozo to see kind of how they respond. I want to see a couple goals out of them in this game. Let's put it More that than way. one? More than one. On uh, their home rink? Yeah. So um, we look at Hermantown and Wyzetta play Friday night. I will more, most likely be there. Um, Duluth East opens up against White Bear Lake, where you will see Carl, I'm figuring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Duluth East comes down the next day to play Wyzetta. I will more than likely be there. Um, Stillwater plays Hill Murray in a Section Four AA early matchup. That's a very important one to look at for seeding wise, even this early in the season. <laughs> East Grand Forks plays St. Cloud Cathedral. Great game. Uh, that should be a really good game. Anybody close to the MAC, get out there and see that one. Lakeville North plays Herman or Lakeville South plays Hermantown, which could be an interesting um, take on how Lakeville South looks early in the season. We saw how Lakeville North looked, and Buffalo plays Moorhead, which I think could be an interesting game for Buffalo to show how good they are in that section early in the season. This could be a a tough team, a tough out in that section. Um, They have a good Mm -hmm. goaltender in great goaltender Mueller. Yep. And um, Brassini as well on the forward side, former player of the year, band player of the year. Band player of the year. He was the MVP in that high school all-star thing. Yeah. I'm not even going to call it a game, but but Uh, call it whatever it is. (laughs) I think I played the same thing when I was skating around Loring Park on Friday night. There was just as many people scared. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. We have some pickums, Tony. You want to leave that? Yeah, we'll go pickums. You guys ready for me to win again this year? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I demand a recount. Forehead. <laughs> what this was? Is, he demands a recount, Carl. This is not Florida. Yeah. Okay. It was not too close to call. <laughs> well, like we're gonna. Uh, I think it was. This is a Trump election. I win. You know, pretty much. All Jeez. Can you tweet that? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, first game, my Section 8 pick, Moorhead takes on Brainerd at the Essential Health Center in downtown Brainerd, just west of downtown Brainerd. Who's who's going to take Brainerd? Who's going to take I'll Brainerd? let you pick first. Okay, I'm going Moorhead. You're going Moorhead? Why? Um, Brainerd, I, I gave this analogy to somebody else. Someone, someone was trying to pump up Brainerd to me this past weekend. I said, you know what? Brainerd is that girl in high school that I ask out every year, and she just keeps saying no. Just until she <laughs> says yes, this is it. I'm, I'm never going back. I'm not asking her anymore. I'm just not asking her out anymore because Brainerd just let me down so many times. So this is a Sam Malone from yep. Cheers going yep. on right now. This, yeah, that's it. Nope. <laughs> it's just not not falling for it ever again. Okay, Carl. And I love the team this year. I love everything about mm-hmm. Brainerd, but until they make it, I don't want to jinx them. So uh, maybe it gets my better judgment after they're showing up on uh, Saturday against Andover. I'm I'm going to pick Brainerd over Moorhead. Um, I'm going to do this because, you know, I, I haven't asked Brainerd out every year the way Tony has. So this is the first time I, I have. Uh, they are my pick to win AAA, and I'm going to stick by that. Well, you better like this one because it, I, being burned by Brainerd, is, it's a bad feeling. Five to four game <laughs> favors Brainerd, okay? Brainerd always wins the early one. I, I'm, they fade. I'm going with Brainerd. I think this is going to be high scoring, and I think that favors – the Warriors in this game over the Spuds because the Spuds didn't put they only put up two goals against a good Andover squad, granted, but they their shots were not there. So I'm going to go where the shots are going to be in Brainerd, and I'm going to go with okay. Brainerd. All right, Carl, it's your turn to go. Uh, Chaska Cloquet, you're 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 up first. Ooh, um. That's an interesting game. Uh, I think I have a little more faith in Chaska at this point of the season. Um, the, their star power is just going to show here, and I'll take the Hawks. Okay, Danny? If this is like a one nothing game, 
I'll buy you a steak dinner because this is going to be a this is a run and gun type of game. We are recording this show, so I'm going to. Can we edit that, that portion? No, we no, can't no, edit that. We're going to take. I will take you up on that if it is one nothing game for sure. But um, I hope you like Cubs foods. They have oh, really good cuts of meat. I'll take it. <laughs> All these, but I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think that favors Chaska um, rather than Cloquet in this game. Like Chaska too. I'm going Chaska too in this you one. Guys call each other before the show, and like, we did. Picks. This is weird. <laughs> All right, uh, this is an easy one for me. Uh, that the that's one of the tougher rinks to play in the state, up at Northwoods Community Credit Rink. Yeah, or the Lumber Dome. I think <laughs> it up, up. It's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to the Pine Valley. Okay, that go place is tough. <laughs> that would be even tougher to play in. <laughs> that place is yeah, scary. Yeah, I know those locker rooms. Yikes! <laughs> that's where wood chippers are found. <laughs> <laughs> they are lumberjacks. Oh, wow. That's a hot take. Speaking of hot takes, we have a hot team. The Holy Family Fire up next. Plate takes on Blake. The probably I would call them the the Cinderella team. The team that everybody wants to see. Yeah, you know? and I, I I will be seeing them on Tuesday. Um, they play Chaska. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Holy Family on this one. This game's at Holy Family. I just, I'm not ready to buy Blake yet. I think Holy Family needs to bounce back. I think this is where they do it. I think Bailey Huber is the difference maker in the game. I'm going Blake. Blake has got Balake. Uh, Balake <laughs> has a lot of talent. It's going to get showcased uh, all year long. I think they could be a they could win. They could take the second seed in Section 6. They could go that high. I'll buy that high. I think it go that high. Wow. So, uh, there's my take why they're the, they're, they'll beat Holy Family on Saturday, whenever they play. I don't know when they play. Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's an aggressive take, and I have to follow that. But, uh, you know, I, I have a little trouble calling Blake a Cinderella when they're maybe the richest school in the state. But, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to take them. <laughs> Is poor, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She was poor. This is this is not ending yeah, well. That's a bad take. Okay, <laughs> okay. Tony, what's the next game? So, what'd you go? Did you go Holy Family? I would like. No, I'm right. That's what Cinderella train. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. So it's back to me. I get to go first on this one. Ooh, World and Sartell. At the Burnix Arena in Sartell, it's about a four, four-and-a-half-hour drive. I'm going bus legs on this one and picking Sartell. I have them rated just a tad higher. This is about a 6-7 in the state game, and they play each other. I'm excited to see the outcome in this game. So I'm going Sartell. Carl? Who's up? Carl? Me? Okay. Um, I will say Warroad on the strength of their front-end talent. All right. Yeah, I have to go with Carl on this one. I think Warroad is going to pull away with it on this one. Warroad's got a lot to prove this season, and playing Warroad when they're wearing blacks is a hard uh, thing to overcome. Well, Danny, you and I have yet to agree on one. That's good. We're four picks in. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, all right, last game. This is probably the best game, I would say, because they're two top ten teams, double A, yep. that are going at each other. Creighton, Durham Hall, Eden Prairie. Where will that game be seen? Can you watch that game if you can't make it to the arena? Well, most people can't make it to the Chuck because Charles Schultz Arena's parking is about the size of a postage stamp. So you can probably watch that on. Yeah, if you want to avoid the traffic, you want to avoid all the traffic, tune in to YHH. That one's on YHH. Well, six games this week. Uh, full list is listed on, on YHH today. Carl, who wins this game? Ooh, Ooh this is, I have the difficulty of going first here, but um, I think I like Eden Prairie. Um, in part because I think they have something to prove, especially after how they came out in this game last year. Remember, that was a sign of things to come, the way things fell apart in that one for them. But I think they're a somewhat deeper team. I think their defense is somewhat better, and they have something to prove. So I'll go with EP. I'm going to go 
speed here in this game, and I think that's going to favor Creighton in it. I think um, speed and Matt Gleason is going to take over instead of a power forward, Jack Jensen. I think I think Creighton student section is going to come out to play for this one, and they're going to be loud, and that's that's a hard rink to play in. It's not very great ice by any stretch, and, yeah, I'm going to go Creighton. Uh, we are going to go five for five today. We disagree on all of them. <laughs> I just think that uh, EP's got two really, really good lines. Yeah, they got good goaltending, good defense, uh, lots of experience. These guys have been through these battles before. Uh, Jack Jensen's a, a Mr. Hockey finalist this year. I think Eden Prairie will just overpower Creighton this weekend. I think Creighton has a bad taste in the mouth. From last year, still, so okay. they have a I lot of proof. That's a decent take for sure. Um, hard to hard to judge against that. Um, do you guys have any final takes you want to talk about before we uh, close off the show? No, just be going to a lot of games this week. Start of the season, I guess. Carl, I'll just say I'm I'm looking forward to having my first game of the season be at uh, the Everett Hippodrome. I'm going to go up there and see Everett host Chaska on Thursday night happen to be on the range, so that'll be a fun way to kick off my season. That's exciting. We have a lot. We're covering a lot of games, uh, both with our still cameras and our video cameras. YHH will be all over the uh, state covering uh, youth hockey, uh, uh, boys high school hockey this year. Six games this weekend, or this week on YHH. Let me give a quick shout-out to those games. STMA Monticello Tuesday. Uh, Burnsville, Hill Murray, Grand Rapids, Minnetonka, East Grand Forks, Totino Grace, Eden Prairie, Creighton, and Anoka, Totino Grace. Six games this weekend on YHH. Um, really appreciate you tuning in to this show. Thanks to Danny for putting together a great show. Uh, Carl calling in from Duluth and to our sponsor, Red and Black Leagues, for helping us present today's show. We'll see everybody around the rink. These looks all over their face My friends all know that I'm cool I've been this way since high school Cause life's never been sweeter When you're just a cake eater When it comes to hockey, nobody can stop me My high school team, I was playing on the top three Now my son is scoring piles He 